Barbara Rainey thinks a lot about how we commemorate the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I don't really ever stop thinking about Easter, actually. I think about it after Easter. Okay, what can we do next year and how we can elevate the perception, elevate the celebration, help people make more of Easter. We spend so much energy and money and focus and intentionality around Christmas, none of which is bad, but we give by comparison very little attention to Easter. Most people don't think about Easter until the week before. Okay, I need to think about a meal. What are we going to do? And they don't know really what to do like people do with Christmas. So I start thinking about it and start wondering how can we help people engage with this holiday, the most important holiday of the year for those of us who believe in Christ. Welcome to the Barbara Rainey Podcast. Our desire is to help you be changed by Jesus, which will in turn transform your home. Thanks for listening. At the center of the Christian faith is the good news that the perfect Son of God died the death we deserved as the punishment for our sin. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering death and sin forever. As Barbara's husband Dennis puts it, Look, it is the greatest holiday that we celebrate all year. It is salvation from God. It is redemption. It is hope, life after death. We ought to be communicating the truth of the gospel to our kids, to how Jesus Christ came to redeem them. You might be thinking, Easter, the greatest holiday? Even better than Christmas? Well, for Barbara, there came a time when she recognized Easter was a more important holiday than her favorite one, Thanksgiving. I still love Thanksgiving. I still love the fall and gathering together. But ranking holidays for me, Easter is now at the top because I've come to understand that without Easter, Paul says it, our faith would be in vain. If you take away Easter and you take away the cross, the New Testament is gone. And so when I began to understand the importance I always knew it was important. I know, always knew that it was essential. But when I began to see how how significant it is, how without the cross, everything else is useless, then I began to realize we are undervaluing this holiday. We're under-celebrating it. We're ignoring it. We're just treating it as a special Sunday where everybody gets dressed up and then we go home and the TV goes on and there's just nothing that makes it holy as it should be or set apart as it should be. She remembers feeling somewhat at a loss as to how to do that, especially when her six children were still at home. I didn't know what to do. I remember thinking, I want to do something about Easter. I want to make it more important because I knew it was more important, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't have the bandwidth because I was swamped with kids to be creative and to think of something. So, you know, I tried a few things through the years, but I never landed on anything that really helped me teach my children why Easter was so important, other than what we just normally did by going to church and Sunday school and talking about it. We talked about it, but I didn't have an activity. I wanted an activity. I wanted someone to say, here, read this to your kids. Here, do this with your children, and this will help them put the cross in context with the whole Bible and with God's plan from the very beginning. And Dennis says he was equally clueless in those days. I was more of a spectator. 
Because it's based on the lunar calendar, the date for Easter changes from year to year. This can make it hard to anticipate. Some church traditions do it better than others. Still, Christian families have developed different ways of observing Easter over the years. Tracy Lane remembers celebrating Easter with new clothes. That even extended to the man she would end up marrying. It's funny because when we were dating, I got him an Easter basket for our first Easter dating. That was a big thing that my family did growing up, and he was shocked. Yeah, the plastic grass and eggs and everything? Well, it actually had a new Easter shirt, which was tradition, but I also kind of didn't like all the shirts he was wearing in our dating days. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So I was like, here, honey, here's a new Easter shirt. And he was going to church with our family, so I needed him to look nice. But I also wanted to get him in on the tradition. My family had these traditions. But he was so surprised because his family had never done anything really to celebrate Easter. And that began the trajectory in our relationship of making Easter a big deal. And he still talks about that to this day to our girls. Mommy got me an Easter basket, and that told me this day was important. I think back to my uh, years of growing up, all I remember in southwest Missouri was how cold it was. And we would be outside looking in the grass for Easter eggs. But uh, we didn't really get to the core of the message. You went to church to get the core message. You may have grown up observing Lent, the period of 40 days prior to Easter when traditionally you give up something or fast from certain foods to prepare for Easter. This year, Lent began on March 2nd, Good Friday will be April 15th, and Resurrection Sunday, April 17th. Barbara likes the thought of having some time to prepare for that celebration, Although the concept of Lent can have some baggage attached to it. Well, I kind of have renamed it. (laughs) We'll see if it sticks. (laughs) But I've decided that what we need to do is we need to focus on Lent as another Advent in our faith. Advent means coming. So observing Lent this way as an Advent allows your family to build anticipation and to begin to understand what Easter is actually all about. In a sense... Christians can tend to take their cues from the commercial aspects of holidays. Could it be that we think about Christmas a lot more because the stores make a bigger deal out of it? Barbara thinks so. We spend too much money at Christmas. All the decorations are out in a lot of stores, if not in July, then early fall. And TV ads are on starting November 1st for two full months. What kind of support do we see in the culture for Easter, by contrast? And the answer is none. And what kind of support do we see in the church Very, li- Very little. Again, we'll celebrate together as a congregation, mm-hmm. but to equip moms and dads. Tracy, you're, you're raising a young family. Do you feel like you've been equipped to know how to uh, communicate the truth around Easter to your kids? You know, I really don't feel like I have. And I think that is echoed in my group of friends. And even my kids go to a Christian school and they have a huge Thanksgiving feast. They have a big Christmas party. We don't have an Easter party. We're off for Good Friday. We're out of school, but out of school doesn't mean as much to them as this big class party where we all bring cupcakes and streamers. And why are we not doing that for Easter? Our culture doesn't really give us the tools that we need to teach our children how important this is. Perhaps it is easier for us to celebrate the baby in the manger than the Son of God dying on a cross. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that even in his day, 
the word of the cross was folly. That's foolishness to those who are perishing. He said, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. Well, we love babies. We love angels. We get the music at Christmas, all of that. But who loves a cross. It was a form of execution. Who wants to talk about blood and death? Nobody. And so it's harder to make much of Easter because the symbolism, even though it's great and powerful, isn't quite as friendly. And the resurrection is equally difficult for people to buy into. I mean, a dead man coming back to life? Yet, this is what the Bible teaches. It truly flies in the face of modern and postmodern thinking. It is countercultural. Our hope is that individuals and families will say, I'm not going to give in. I am going to focus on the message of the cross and the resurrection of Christ in the midst of all the things going on in the world around me, even though it's not popular, in the midst of all the details of living my own life. I want to keep the main thing the main thing. Barbara says, if we live like that, others will take notice. I think this is a great opportunity for Christian families to be a witness because I think the culture looks at us and they see us doing nothing for Easter, so they think we must not believe it either. But if we can make a big deal out of it in our families and in our churches and we can declare publicly to our friends and our neighbors that Easter is everything to us, then they might go, oh, well, maybe there is some truth to this Easter story. But if we do what the culture does and make nothing of it, make little of it, then why should they investigate our faith? Why should they look at us as having something that they don't have? Some years ago, Barbara came up with resources designed to build anticipation in the days leading up to Easter. For example, she designed a special countdown banner so that in the same way you might use an advent calendar to look forward to Christmas— this did the same for Easter, complete with devotions to read during the 40 days of Lent. It's a banner that has a picture of the Lamb because Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist proclaimed him. So there's a Lamb on one side, and on that same side, there are 40 numbers written. So starts on one side, 40, and goes 39, 38, 37, 36, all the way to one, and there's a marker that comes with it. And Kids like this kind of thing, just like they love counting down the days until Christmas. This is a way to involve your kids in counting down the days to Easter. So you move the marker as you read a verse and answer two questions together. You move the marker every day closer and closer to Easter. And as you go through the little calendar that comes with it, it starts in Genesis and it goes all the way to the New Testament and talks about who Jesus is and how he was predicted, how he was prophesied, how hints of him were found throughout the Old Testament so that when he came, people would recognize him. They would know, oh, this is the Messiah that we heard about all through our study of the Old Testament. And so it's a way to help you teach your kids who Jesus is and why he came. And it's a way to build anticipation for Easter as you count down the days and move the marker together. Well, there are only a few of these banners left. And I'll let you know in a little while how you could receive one. But the point isn't really the banner. The point is the anticipation and spending some time every day thinking about what God has done for us in Christ. And for parents, one point is creatively passing those truths onto their children. Dennis says it's a form of discipleship. Discipleship is a, a spiritual discipline of passing on truth 
teaching your kids to know know God, to know the Bible, to know who Jesus Christ is, why he came, and then how to begin to follow him and how to live in a world that's really very, very troubled. He acknowledges we probably won't do that anticipating perfectly, hitting every devotional on each day. I want to breathe a little bit of forgiveness into our listening audience. (laughs) You don't have to do all 40. Don't be obsessed with with missing a day. If you miss a day, you'll get it next year because your kids will want to pull this out for Easter after Easter after Easter. And maybe after you've done it for 10 years, you will have been through all 40. That's right. By that point. And and I think, honestly, I feel this. When we were doing Advent for Christmas, sometimes I didn't want to start it because I would be embarrassed by how few of the candles we lit. But this is a message that even if you only made half of the days. Well, even if you didn't make half of the days, my message to moms has always been, some is better than none. So start, even if you only get 10 of the 40 days done, it's better than nothing. But don't obsess about what you get done or what you don't get done, because some is better than none. So Tracy, do you suffer from this Advent guilt as a young mom? Have you experienced that? You know, it's interesting. We try to do a lot in our family with traditions. That's how I was raised. And so I'm trying to pass those on to my children. But you kind of forget every place you need a tradition. And so working with Barbara reminds me, you can do so many more traditions than what you think. You know, I have never pictured creating traditions around Lent, for example. But seeing this, this just puts it right into my lap. How can I refuse to do that? And so it makes it so easy that I, of course, want to elevate Easter for my children. I want them to anticipate the greatest miracle of all time. I haven't really known how to do that, but seeing this tells me exactly how. It lays it out for me. It gives me something to be excited about. I have a strategy as a mom where I can win, Mm -hmm. and it's something that my kids can do quickly enough in the morning. We're planning to do it in the car on the way to school kind of our carpool line reading. And we can fit that into the schedule that we have. With that, I really have no excuse not to do this and to create excitement for my children and pass our faith on during this critical time. It also sets dads up to be a winner too. I'll never forget back in the early years when we started Family Life, it had to be in either the late 70s or early 80s. I had lunch with a businessman who ran a big company. It was uh very, very large. And he just confessed to me as I developed a friendship with him over a number of lunches. He said, Dennis, I know how to lead my company to profits, but put me in front of my family with those beady little eyes staring at me at the dinner table or the breakfast table, and I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. I need help. I need tools. And that's uh, why Barbara created the tool. It helps both moms and dads be effective in passing on the meaning for the, for the holiday. There is an important distinction to make. Participating in a Lenten observance doesn't earn you favor with God. It's not a way of building merit for yourself or getting bonus points with God. No. For children of God, our righteousness was earned for us by Jesus. He took our punishment and gave us his merit. Still, the spiritual disciplines do help us focus our attention on Jesus and his work. Spiritual disciplines such as fasting or reading the Bible or prayer are good for us. They don't help us earn God's favor, but they do help us grow. And, Barbara says, they help our kids grow, too. 
I think parents want to be the ones to influence their kids for Christ. I wanted that. I wanted to introduce them to what I knew about Jesus. For example, there is great value to a devotional geared to a children's level that also covers the whole scope of redemption history from Genesis to Revelation. It gives you an opportunity every day to teach your children that Jesus was foretold from the beginning. It gives you an opportunity to grow their faith as they encounter these details about God's amazing plan for salvation. It helps them begin to understand the problem of sin, which is why Jesus went to the cross. And so as you walk through these day-by-day little readings and little discussions together, you are teaching your children the Bible. Okay, so this is day 36. This would be a Sunday reading. Hundreds of years after Adam and Eve lived and died, God called a man named Abraham to leave his home and follow God to a new land. You as mom and dad are being important in their lives. Abraham followed God's leading You're each influencing day until them. he arrived in the new land. You're helping them there, understand what is written Sarah. in the Old Testament that rich. talks about Jesus and why he had to go to the cross. When Isaac was a young teenager, God asked Abraham to do a strange, almost impossible thing. And that was he what I was looking Abraham for as a mom. Isaac I was looking for a way that I could teach my children about that Jesus. kill him as an offering to God. The Old Testament is filled with clues about Jesus. We can read through the whole Bible, and every part of the Bible points us to Jesus and who He was. This is a lot like a scavenger hunt. This reading, these 40 days, give us different clues, and we're on a hunt to find out who Jesus is. You want it to be interactive. You want to engage your kids in thinking about God and who He is and what He expects from us. And not having the answer is okay as a parent, because there are a lot of things I don't understand. There are a lot of questions that I could never answer for my kids, but it's okay. And if we point them to God and say, we don't understand everything, but God does, and what He has done for us is good, and we're going to continue reading this tomorrow, and maybe we'll know the answer by the end of the week. But it's having the conversation is what's so important. And that's what parents, I think, long for, is how do I engage my kids in meaningful conversations about spiritual things? That's exactly what that dad was asking you years ago. How do I do this? How do I talk to my kids about God? So I just want to say to moms out there, this is easy. This is so easy. This does not take very long at all. We can take time. I remember our family was going to Disney last summer. Oh, we had time to talk about that every day. We had time to plan for that. We planned our vacation for this coming spring break in last September. We took time to prepare and make reservations and get our children excited. We can do this. Moms, we know how to do this. We do this about so many other things, and this is the most important thing to do it about. And I think, uh, too, just the Disneyland uh, illustration is a good one to say, build some anticipation. Mm -hmm. Have some fun with this, and you might figure out a way to maybe supplement one of these, like the one you just read, with a scavenger hunt, yeah. you know, and run around the yard and, and find things, but then come back and, and talk about these clues and how they're pointing to Christ. Exactly. And that's the whole idea is to make learning about the Bible interesting and fun. And because this has the little activity where you move the marker every day, there is something that engages the kids every single day. There are some activities that we've included on a few of these, but not every one because I didn't want moms to feel like failures because they couldn't do them all. So it's open to all kinds of possibilities. And I'd 
love the fact that God allows us to be creative. He made us to be creative and moms and dads can be creative in adding what they know will work with their kids into this. Even for older kids in the home, Barbara reiterates the value of spending time in God's Word on a regular basis. Well, I would because I I want my children to understand the Bible. I want them to understand how all of this was woven together by God to a grand culmination on Resurrection Day. And so even if they already knew some of it, I would bet that most middle school and high school kids don't know it all. And they may roll their eyes, and they because our kids did, and they may act uninterested and bored. But if you start when they're younger, it's a tradition that they will anticipate, and they know it's going to happen. Again, they may roll their eyes and complain. But again, you're the parent, and you want to you want to teach your kids why Easter matters, and so go for it. And what I just encourage a parent to do is look past the kid who's rolling her eyes or his eyes. I'll never forget one time, one of our kids put a napkin over her face her face, <laughs> and leaned back with like a burial cloth or something. <laughs> and it was like, I am not interested in this. I don't want to hear any of it. But the reality is they do listen. They really yes, are they hearing. Do. You don't think they are, but don't lose heart in well-doing. That's Galatians chapter six. You mm-hmm. may need to, to memorize that. Have you noticed your kids pay attention to not paying attention? Yes. Well, my five-year-old will cover her ears if I'm telling her something that she doesn't want to hear. (laughs) But it's interesting because usually within an hour's time, that's what she's telling my three-year-old, the same instruction that she apparently didn't hear. Mm -hmm. So I can see just in that short time span, she's getting it. And so I can trust that that will happen here too. It's a parent's responsibility to equip their kids to know how to handle those who are going to say there is no God. When they leave home and high school and go away to work, to college, to service, to their own houses, and a bunch of other messages crowd into their Mm -hmm. lives. I remember when I was a junior in college hearing Josh McDowell at the University of Arkansas speak about the evidence that demanded a verdict, Mm -hmm. the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I remember what that did for my faith to say, yes, this is a fact in history as much as you can prove any fact in history. There is all kinds of evidence that does demand a verdict by individual people. And you as a parent, you've got to prepare your kids for this because they are going to have their faith undermined as they go away to college, to service, to work. They're going to have people who don't think and believe like them. Give your kids the foundation the apologetic for their faith so they can stand firm. It reminds me of something that a really good friend of ours once said that I've never forgotten. Crawford Loritz, we've known for decades. He's a pastor in Atlanta. And he said years ago, there is a problem he believes in the Christian community, in the church of biblical illiteracy. And that really stuck with me because I thought, you know, he's right. We go to church, but a lot of people don't know the Bible. And this is a way that parents can help their kids know the Bible because they need to know what God's Word says because it will give them the foundation, just as you were talking about, for their lives. And they may have questions and they may act like they're not interested, but they're hearing and it will plant the seeds of God's truth in their heart if you go through this with your kids year after year. So have Dennis and Barbara given things up for Lent? We have, but I would much rather focus on um, learning more about who Jesus is and what he did. And if I still had kids at home, that would be my focus, not on what we give up. Again, 
Our emphasis today is not so much on telling you which tools to use, but to encourage you to do something in your home in the weeks between now and Resurrection Day, something that'll draw your heart into a deeper understanding of who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. And if you're a parent, thinking up some creative ways to do that as a family too. Now, having said that, there are a few Behold the Lamb banners and devotional reading flip-style calendars left in our inventory at Everthine Home. We're making them available for a suggested donation of $100 or more. You can check out the details at everthinehome.com. If you look under the tab that says Shop, you'll see there are Easter-related digital resources as well as a link to our Etsy store. Again, it's everthinehome.com and look under shop. And let us know what creative ideas you come up with for learning about Jesus, for remembering his sacrifice for us, and for celebrating his resurrection. Just leave us a message by clicking on Contact Us under the About tab at everthinehome.com. Thanks again for listening today. It means a lot. I'm Phil Krause saying we'll see you next time for the Barbara Rainey Podcast from Everthine Home. God bless.